So, um, you know, contentment. Contentment. It's probably one of the greatest battles that I have is being content. You know, Lord blesses and he does things, and yet still I get my eyes off of, I get my eyes on that can of Coke. You know, that someone else got a bigger can than me. And uh, it's hard. They say that, you know, that contentment, is, it's the epidemic that is sweeping uh, this nation, right, is, is discontentment, discontentment. I, I like that saying uh, that uh, Pastor Craig says, he says, never before have so many had so much and wanted so much more, right? I mean, that's just how we are. That, that seems to be America. You know, America's motto is you deserve more. That's what, kind of how we get in our minds. I think it kind of started way back. Back before my generation, and, you know, my generation, I'm, I'm 55, so, you know, back, back before that. And that is, you know, parents wanted more for their kids. You know, that they, they went through some hard times. I know my mom said that she used to eat mustard sandwiches. That's what she had, mustard sandwiches. Two pieces of bread and mustard, and that's it. That's all she had. And they wanted more for their kids, and that's commendable. But in some ways, it's become detrimental. And, and that we've created generation after generation, wanted more than what they had, and is not satisfied with what they do have. So uh, I think we struggle with this contentment. Now, I, I got a part of a passage here in Philippians chapter 4, and I, you know, it, it kind of runs through my mind, and Paul said, in whatever state I am, to be content. Now, there's a lot more to that passage. We're going to look at that, but I, I think that's kind of what we a lot of times we focus on, and there's there's... So much more that goes on with just saying whatever state I'm in to, to be content. And so I want to look at that today. Now, for me, you know, in my, my brain, you know, I always told my wife, boy, this COVID's really messed me up, man. I've, I've not, I'm a lot more foggier. And she's like, man, you must have had COVID back when you're like five because, you know, that's the only kind of guy I know, you know. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, 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 I got to look at things a certain way. So I want to look at what contentment is not. Okay, what contentment is not. Contentment is not settling. Okay, contentment is not settling. It's not settling for less than what God intends for your life. That's not what contentment is. It's not settling for sin. It's not settling for abuse. It's not settling for addiction. It's not settling to prevent conflict. You don't settle when you're commanded to change. That's not what it is. That's not what contentment is. They say uh, if you settle, you're always going to be unhappy. That's not what contentment is. Contentment is not being idle. It's not being idle. It doesn't mean you just sit there and just let things happen and, and stay the way you are. There's many passages in Scripture that instruct us to do our part and the change in the course of our life, okay? So when I tell you to be committed, when God says to be content, he's not saying you just sit there and do nothing. It's not being idle. Contentment is not self-inflicted. You know, we find ourselves in unhappy situations in life, right, that we got ourselves there. But we punish ourselves by staying there thinking that that's what God wants us to do. But that's not. You're not to stay in that situation. You know, the prodigal son, the Bible says he came to himself and saw what he'd done and saw where he was at, and he, he chose change. But that's 
that's not contentment. Okay? And contentment is not void of prayer and hope. The Bible says Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus prayed that from his human side. If God, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But he was the most content man in all the world. Yet he prayed for change. He knew it wasn't going to come, but he prayed. You see? I tell you, I'm not a big fella. I know that. Aaron's smiling at me. When I went to my job, when the unit I was at closed down, and I went to the new job, which was the different prison, I lost 10 pounds. I mean, my pajamas already had one stripe, you know. So I just took the stripe off and just wore one color. That's all I had. But I'll tell you what, man, um, I was a battle there for months, battle for months. And uh, I, had, I had a battle with contentment. Well, you know, I was praying and hoping change. I mean, me and my wife talked. I was telling you, we were talking. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit the prison. We'll just, I'm just going to get out of this. You know, I'll just go, I don't know, sell hot dogs or do something. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something, you know. And it was a battle. And until I, um, and I say I dreaded my job. Man, I dreaded my job. And the, and the people who work, they know what it's like. I mean, you can dread that job. And I had a battle with the Lord until finally um, I had to come. And, and part of it's here in the sermon that I, I heard from another preacher when I went with my son down in Dallas. And uh, I, had, I had to come to terms that, that if this was the can of Coke that God gave me, then I had to rejoice in that and accept it. And, yeah, I pray for change and do what I can. But every day I would get up in the morning and I would say, God, you've ordained me to this job to go at this place, so help me to do your will, what you want me to do. I just want to let you know, man, I got a new job. <laughs> Woo! Oh, God, I got a new job. <laughs> Whew. And my wife says I'm a different person. But you know what? There, there was, I could tell a change, though. I could tell a change, and I finally said, Lord, if this is where you want me, if I'm going to stay here, if this is where i got to stay, then God give me grace and help me be content. Help me be content. So that's what contentment is not. So let's look at some definitions of what contentment is, at least what, you know, the dictionaries say it is. One says contentment is the absence of worry, whether that be about who we are or what we, or don't, what we have or don't have or what our conditions in life is. An example of, or a definition of contentment. Another one says the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. Another one said to be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. That's what contentment is. To be free from care and satisfied with what you do have. Now, there are some great, great quotes out there. I like these quotes because I think it kind of drives home this definition of contentment. You know, one, uh, one of these guys said, um, most of these are anonymous. They just can do a search and you can find these quotes. One said, someone is happy with less than what you have. You know that? 
Somebody out there is happy with less than what you have. And I'm not talking about some, somebody out there in the midst of a third world country. I'm talking about somebody out here in Palestine, probably down the road from you, has less cars than you, a less paying job than you, has a worse house than you, and they're happy. Why is that? Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, all right? Believe me, man, you can have all these kind of things and, and just heap on stuff, but it's the real, realization of how much you, you already have. You ever had a child come Christmas time and, uh, you know, they, they open up the presents and, and they've been telling you all year that they want this big shiny toy or whatever, and you know, man, I can't, I can't get that toy for you, so you do what you can. You can tell when they tear open that paper by the expression on their face that wasn't really what they wanted. Well, you want to fish slap them a couple times, you know. But hey, aren't we the same way? And when God gives us something from him, and yet it's not what we wanted, Realize how much you already have. You know, you can own everything in the world, but if you lack contentment, you'll never be happy. And you can have enough money in your pocket that you can buy anything and do anything all you want, but you know what? If you don't have contentment, it ain't going to help, no matter what you have. Benjamin Franklin said, contentment makes poor men rich, and discontent makes rich men poor. So contentment. Do you struggle with that? I know I do. I know I do. So let's look at the passage that we, were, we, we talked about at the beginning of this and see what Paul says about contentment. Found him here in Philippians chapter 4. It says here, Paul said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So talking about the church, helping him out in the ministry. Here he is going around, to, traveling around, starting churches, doing the mission work, and, and they were trying to help him, they couldn't, but then they were able to, and he said, hey, man, I appreciate that. There in verse 11, he says, now I speak in regard to, I don't speak in regard of need. I'm not saying this because I need something from you. He said, I'm telling you this for a different reason. He says, for I have learned in whatever state I am and whatever my circumstance to be content. I know how to, ab- to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Contentment. Contentment. Why is it something really it is so simple, but it's so hard for us to obtain? You know, the, the second time he said there in verse 12, he said, I have learned, in some translation it says, I have learned the secret because of that particular word that's, that's there. We're going to look at that here in a second. So what is the secret? What is the secret to contentment? I want to talk to you about that today. First of all, I want to tell you that contentment is found in the heart. Contentment's found in the heart. You know, that might be why it's so hard because we think contentment's out here, it's out there, it's in that thing. But it's not, it's found in the heart. Paul again said to Timothy in a passage in chapter 6, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Because he was talking about those two things and comparing those things, about godliness and, and gain, people who uh, were mixing the two. And he says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we will carry nothing out. So you, when your mama said that to you, you thought she just made that. That came from the Bible where she told you that. And having food and clothing, with these things we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and a snare and to many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. See, Paul said, hey, you, you, are, you con, are, are you combating being content, uh, you know, being content, uh, being satisfied with what you have? Man, the, the, the battle plan for that is not physical, it's spiritual. It's righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Those are the things, those internal things that battle being content. It starts in the heart. So many times that we, we try to think it's out here. It's not in the tiny house. It's not in the minimalist lifestyle, which is, you know, that's fine if that's you. That's okay. But that's not where it's at. My wife says, man, we need to get rid of all these clothes in here. You know, we need to, you know, you know have less and all that, you know, and, 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 and really uh, make things, you know, simpler in life. How many shirts did you buy yesterday, baby? Yeah, all right. Let's throw out your clothes, all right? Throw out my clothes. That's just because she wants more space in the closet. That's all she wants to throw out my clothes. Right? So it's not out here. It's in here. That's where contentment starts. Starts in the heart. When Jesus was talking to the people, he's talking about their needs, and he talked about you know, the lilies of the field and, and, and the birds of the air, and he's talking about how God meets their needs, and he tells the, the, his followers that were listening, he says this, he says, for all these things the Gentiles seek. And it's kind of funny he said that because he was kind of poking at them because this is, that's exactly what they sought too. But see, now the Gentile, that's, the, that's everybody who was not of Israel. So Israel, God's people, and the Gentiles were the world. And Israel is supposed to be the lighthouse for the world. They're supposed to show the world the true God. You see, they're supposed to be the example. And Jesus is saying, you know what, you, you guys are just like the world. He's kind of kind of poking at them. After all these things the Gentiles seek, so do you. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Man, God knows what you need. God knows that your car has to put uh, coolant in there every Friday. Every Friday. You got to put coolant in that car, okay? Yeah, I don't know why. There's no leak on the ground when I come outside. I don't know where that coolant is going. But every Friday, I got to pour half a jug of coolant in the car. And God knows. But that's okay. Because it starts up every day. And I had a car that didn't start up every day. <laughs> I'm thankful for a car that starts up every day. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Man, I had to get right here. And all these things will be added to you in my time. Jesus said there in Luke chapter 12, he said, 
to the people. He said, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. It's not how many cars you have, not how many boats you have, not the RV, if you got one or not, or how many ATVs you have on your trailer. Not the number of shoes in your closet or the brand of purse that you wear. Right? It's not in the things that you possess. It's in here. It starts in here. You can't find contentment? Stop looking out here. Start looking in here. Next, contentment. Contentment is expressed in giving thanks. Contentment is is expressed in giving thanks. I'm not talking about just words out of your mouth. You ever, again, you know, I'm sorry, one of my children's here. She has to take all the brunt of this. But, uh, you know, sometimes you give kids something, they go, thank you. You, Okay, you might have said those words, but you didn't mean that at all, what you just said, child. It's it's expression of thanks, of true thankfulness from your heart. True and genuine. Giving thanks. Paul wrote again to the Philippians, he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and that's going to be a key here, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, man, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And there were times... When I first had to, when at that job and the things that I did in the particular job that I was at and just all the things going on, I, I, could, I did not sleep at night. I would wake up at 10.30 and I would lay there awake for two, three hours saying, oh, God, please, you've got to let me fall asleep. Just the anxiousness and, and the, of what, what I was, I was going to face the next day. Contentment. You had to give thanks. I had to start thanking God for that job, that it paid the bills, and it was a place to work, and that he provided that. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul said this. He said at the end of the, at the, end of the book, he, he writes, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Man, here's this again. In everything, give thanks. Now, notice he said in everything. He didn't say for everything. You see, you don't thank God for the child that passed away. You thank God in that trial, not for that. You see, Jesus wasn't thankful for the cross. He was thankful in the cross, what he was going through. He said he endured it. He didn't look for it. Oh man, I get to go to the cross in a couple days. You give God thanks in it. Give God thanks while you're in the midst of it. Now, you know what? It's easy, and I've done it. Man, you know, like I said, I'm rejoicing. Oh, I got a new job. Things are going good. I actually don't know what is it. I I haven't even been there yet. (laughs) Oh, man. I just heard it was a good job, and I applied. So we're going to see. We're going to see what it's going to be. I'll start not tomorrow, but a Monday from, week from tomorrow, okay? I'll let you know how it goes. But, uh, but you know what? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, but you, you, it's easy to praise God when you got the new job. 
Or you got the car that it got it fixed and it doesn't leak anymore, right? And you and you got something brand and shiny and new and, and all is going good. Man, that's great. And you should praise God for these things. Oh, that's, that's great. But how about when it's not going good? How about when you get in that car and, 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 you, and you crank it and it doesn't start? So you have to open the hood and you have to take out the spark plugs and and clean them out and dry them off because for some reason the car is flooding and the mechanic doesn't know. Does this sound like I kind of know what I'm talking about? And you got to put the spark plugs back in there, okay, and then close the hood and you're doing this about 30 minutes before you got to leave and leave so you make sure the car will start and then you, you know, go and crank it up. You, know. you praise God then? I didn't. <laughs> I was wrong. I didn't. It's supposed to be thanking God in the trial to be content. You know, it is impossible to be content if you can't find reasons to give thanks for what God has provided for you. It's impossible. You have to give thanks. Contentment, contentment is also is learning through experience. Contentment, I'm sorry, is learned through experience. Is learned through experience. You know, Paul used two different words back in that passage when he said what he said back in Philippians. He said, for I speak in regard, I don't re- speak in regard to need, but he said, but, but I have learned in whatever state I, I am to be content. That, that first word he used implies to, to all the way from being taught to come to realize that whole that whole array of meaning. The second word he used when he said, "Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry." That that's a religious technical term for the initiation into sacred mistress mystery religions. It's like the secret handshake. You can't really know until you've join the club and been in there and seen what it's like. That's why some translations translate that, I've learned the secret, coming from that word. See, you, you really, really can't understand con- contentment until you've been high as high. I'm talking about drugs, but I'm talking about having things. And then as low as the bottoms you can get. See, Paul said, man, I've been both. Man, I've had it all, and I've had nothing. I was full, and, man, there were times, there were days sitting on a boat. I had no, nothing to eat. I've had it all, and I've had nothing. And he said, I've learned to be content. Through that, I've learned, through the experience, I've learned to be content, to trust God. God It's trying to teach you through your experience to be content. You're going through a low time? You know, God's trying to teach you something. Because you can't really appreciate when you do have something if you've been through where you don't have something. And you don't appreciate the the AC that is in your house that's freezing you out right now. Even though it's 50 degrees outside, the AC is still on. You don't appreciate that until you've been cold because you have no heat, because you have no oil. 
in your house down in the furnace in the middle of winter in Connecticut. And then you just, it's okay being cold in my house right now. So you have to go through something. You have to, God's putting you through some things because he wants you to learn to be content. It can only be learned. It can only be learned. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. He says, who is wise and understanding? Now, these are key words right here. Wise and understanding. Hmm, wisdom, understanding. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good, by good conduct that his works are, are done in, in meekness of wisdom, in the meekness of wisdom. Now, oh, there's wisdom again. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. He says, this wisdom does not descend from above. Oh, it, this, is, this is a type of wisdom. It doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing. See, wisdom is the knowledge through experience. That's the basic meaning of wisdom. Knowledge through experience. And James said there's these two types of wisdom. One wisdom is the wisdom that's envy, self-seeking, earthly, sensual, demonic. There's another type of wisdom, knowledge through experience, which leads to contentment that fights against that desire of self-seeking. Now, he says demonic because you think about this, Satan, what, what he was up there, he was the highest angel created by God. He, had, he was, the Bible says he was beautiful. He had authority. He had all these things, and yet he wanted more. He had all, he experienced all that, yet he wanted more. He wanted more. So contentment has to be learned. Okay? You know, we're talking to a, this, this guy who's telling us this is, is telling us this from a jail. He's sitting in a jail cell, wrongfully accused, writing this letter. You got to go through something. Not only that, contentment is impossible to compare. Contentment is impossible to compare. Now I kind of wanted to be kind of flashy, you know. I tried to, you know, be a little this little word thing. Actually, it's not kind of what I meant when I wrote that. But I just want to kind of thought it sounded good. Apparently not. <laughs> contentment is impossible to. To compare. In other words, the idea is that if you compare yourself with others, you will not be content. It's impossible to be content if you compare. Paul again wrote to 2 Corinthians in, in the 2 Corinthian letter. He said, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Man, you know, I, I told you before, man, we, we lived in a house in a particular place. It was, El, it was Elkhart. Nothing wrong with it. But we had a bad, we were renting a house there in Elkhart. And it was pretty bad. And, man, we were praying and praying and we were looking. And I was like, man, Lord, I'll take a trailer. I'll take a box. I'll take anything. Just, Lord, I, I'll, I'll take whatever you want to give me, man. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I just want, this place was bad. It was, it was bad. It was bad. And then God, you know, we, we were able to look for a house. And I remember driving down the road to, to me, because this is just me, driving down the road where we live, 
I thought to myself, man, there is no way that we're going to be able to afford a house on this street. I don't know why my wife wants to go look at this house. Because, you know, I'll, I'll take a shoebox, Lord. I don't know what we're doing here. Just give me a shoebox, a window, and an AC. We're done. We're good. And we pull up in there, and, and she probably she knows me so well. I was just like, man. And when we opened that door and I stepped into that house, man, I said, man, th- this is the house for us. This is it. This is, Lord, this Lord, I'd love for you to give us this house. And he did. Cracks and all. <laughs> ah, cracks and all. I saw all the cracks. Needs a little paint. <laughs> Needs a couple little things. A couple bricks need to be put back in, back in the wall. But that's okay. I knew that when I got it, man. It was okay. Man, I was happy, man. I was happy. Then I went over to John's house. And they painted all the walls and all that. And they got, you know, a hammock out in the backyard, a TV and a jacuzzi. And a, man, Lord. You know. And I lost my joy for what God gave me. Right? Because I started comparing what I had to what somebody else had. And I lost it. Lost it. And God's gift for me is impossible to be content if you're going to look around and compare what you have with somebody else. One of the sayings, comparison makes finding contentment a million times harder. Now, that's, that's a good saying, but you don't really find contentment. You choose it. Maybe you should say comparison makes choosing contentment a million times harder. All right? You choose to be content. Ecclesiastes says better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. You know, he's, he's saying it's better to see what you do have. And, you know, I, I have this and I have that and I have this. And these are things, man, God gave these to me and they are mine and, and they're right here. Instead of looking across the street and seeing what your neighbor has and his boat and his four cars and his motorcycle and all that's going on over there. And you're missing what God gave you. So it's impossible to be content if you're going to compare yourself and what you have with others. And then last, last, contentment is an exercise of faith. Contentment is an exercise of faith. It's trust in God. Hebrews says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Contentment is, is, a, is a choice. It's an act of faith coming from the heart. It's trust in God, as he says here, that God sees where I'm at. He knows what I have, or I, what I have. He knows what I need. He's not forsaken me. He will help me. I got to trust him. It's faith. You got to trust God. You know, in our passage that we read in, in Philippians, this passage is one of the, uh, the verses, one of the, 
abused verses, I guess, in Scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Boy, we, we pull that for all kinds of things. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell you, you cannot do all things. I'm sorry. That's not what that verse is saying. You can do anything you set your mind on, mind to, whatever. No, you can't. I'm sorry. Einstein, Einstein, one day he couldn't remember where he worked, what university he worked at. So he was calling on the phone. Uh, Does Einstein work there? No. Does Einstein work there? No. Does Einstein work at this uh, university? Yes, Einstein works here. Oh, can you tell me where he lives? That's what he, and the lady said, I'm sorry, I I can't give out the information. He said, no, this is Einstein. I don't know where I live. Can you tell me where I live? He couldn't remember where he lived. He couldn't remember where he worked. The smartest man, I guess they say, right? One of the smartest men. God did not create you to do anything. He created you to do what he wants you to do. He didn't create everybody to be a brain surgeon. Okay? Einstein couldn't have been a brain surgeon. He would have forgot he left a scalpel and all that inside the brain. He couldn't have done that. Smartest man. It has nothing to do with the intellect. I'm not saying you're not smart. I'm saying God didn't create you to do that. That's not what this verse is saying. Paul is saying, I can do the tops having it all, and I can do the bottom having nothing. I can be full and I can be hungry. I can be plenty and I can have nothing. I can do all that. I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. Christ can give me the strength to do that, to endure. I can have it all and have the car and have the boat and have the RV, and I can be content and I can thank God and I can praise him and I can be satisfied. I don't, you know, when God blesses me, but then I can be down here and have nothing and barely have a car that works, but you know what? I can be content and say, Lord, I know you see me and you know what I'm going through, and, uh, but Lord, I thank you what I have. I can do all that, Paul said, through Christ. Jesus can give you strength, strength to be content in your present circumstance. The thing is, will we let him? Will we let him? Amen. Let's go, Lord, and pray. Father, again, I thank you, Lord, for this time to come and preach the word. I'm, I'm humbled, Lord, to, for you to call me to do this. But, Lord, I, I have failed so many times, Lord, being content, trusting you. Knowing, Lord, that you see uh, my plight and you know what I'm going through and yet uh, just didn't have faith. Lord, I pray you help me to be a better Christian, a better servant, a better son, Lord, uh, to you and to trust you and believe that you have my best interest in heart. And I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name.